48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Vicky Wong. The headlines. The government is to assess whether Hong Kong schools are experiencing an exodus of students. Commerce Secretary Edward Yao defends the government's strict quarantine measures. And media reports from Japan say the Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga is to step, step down. The Education Secretary, Kevin Young, says the government will assess whether Hong Kong schools are experiencing an exodus of students following its annual headcount later this month. He was speaking after reports pointed to a drop in the number of primary one classes. Educators say this may be due to emigration, but Mr Young said people had misunderstood the data. This does not reflect what actually is the forecast of the possible P1 students. We need to do the headcount by the middle of this month before we know exactly the impact on individual schools. Overall, we noticed that there has been some saying that there were people migrating to other countries, but we have measures implemented in previous year to maintain the stability of the sector. Commerce Secretary Edward Yao has defended the government's strict quarantine measures, saying the 21-day quarantine period is needed for arrivals from countries with large numbers of COVID cases like the UK, the US and some parts of Europe. Speaking on RTHK's Money Talk programme, he told host Peter Lewis that the government was worried about the highly infectious Delta variant. Mr Yao also responded to concerns from the business sector that the SAR risked losing executives and investment because of the long quarantine period. We have seen that with the Delta mutant variants, uh, some of the cases sort of punch through this test and only found during the quarantine period. And that's why there is a need for a certain period of quarantine period. But of course, that's being adjusted in terms of risk profiling among countries of origin where these visitors are coming from. Of course, vaccination also helps both ways. For people who come in, if they are fully vaccinated and also being recognised, then it will be more assuring for these visitors to be COVID-free. Locally, of course, we are picking up on the local vaccination now. Over 60% of our people have got their first dose of vaccination. Mm. We are are driving this uh, uh, very vigorously. But we are locking up people who have been vaccinated, fully vaccinated. We're in effect putting them in quarantine for up up to three weeks, surely at some point. We've got to move away from that, especially as a lot of other countries around the world are now sort of abandoning this zero COVID strategy because they're starting to realise it's unsustainable. To go back to your statement saying that we're locking up people for 21 days. Well, that's I, I that's don't, how I, they feel, though. Yeah, they yeah. do feel that. that, that of course, I, I, share, up for three, I share, three I share their feeling. Well, put myself in that situation. I share exactly the same. But as I have explained, well, those quarantines are necessary because there are cases, particularly with the Delta variant, that cases are being detected during the quarantine period. And that's why testing during the quarantine period is also required. But also, I think we are not talking about 21 days for all. Mm. We are talking only a handful of people who are coming back from Group A country, which we list them as high risk. Police say an officer has been suspended and investigations are taking place following an internal complaint. The force said it attached great importance to the conduct of officers and that it would not tolerate any illegal act. Sources say a female officer has alleged rape by her senior. No one has been arrested. 
An HKU professor says China is making amazing progress in its space projects, which include a space station as well as lunar and Mars exploration. This afternoon, China's free astronauts on board the Tiangong space station will answer questions collected from Hong Kong youngsters, as well as give a virtual tour of the half-built facility. Joe Michalski is the deputy director of the Laboratory for Space Research at the University of Hong Kong. He told RTHK what he would like to ask the astronauts. I guess I would want to know how they see the future of long-term space habitability. You know, for from the point of view, the psychological aspects, the physical aspects that our bodies weren't built to be to operate in microgravity and you know in higher radiation environments and so on. For people who've actually done it, I wonder how they see the future of long-term habitation in space. Five former Chinese university students have been convicted of rioting at the university's campus in 2019. The district court said the five had been at the scene with protesters who were throwing petrol bombs at officers. The court said the only explanation was that the five had wanted to encourage the protesters. Japanese media are reporting that the Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga will not seek re-election in his party's leadership contest this month, setting the stage for his departure barely a year after taking office. Mr Suga's popularity has plummeted over his government's handling of the COVID pandemic. The BBC's Will Leonardo reports. Yoshihide Suga took power from his former boss, Shinzo Abe, last December, not long after Mr Abe became Japan's longest-serving Prime Minister. Mr Suga's now apparently imminent departure returns the country to a period of swiftly changing leaders in the midst of its worst Covid outbreak yet. At first, Mr Suga enjoyed good poll ratings, in contrast to Mr Abe, whose final months in office were marred by scandal. But his government's criticised response to the pandemic and its controversial insistence on holding the Olympics during a Covid state of emergency saw his popularity erode. The North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has urged his officials to deal with the urgent issues of food supply, the pandemic and natural disasters. His speech, published in state media, outlines the challenges facing the country. Here's the BBC's Laura Bicker. North Korea's economy has been battered by self-imposed border closures and lockdowns to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Weeks of drought conditions followed by heavy monsoon rains have also damaged vital crops and there are serious concerns about this winter's food supplies. According to state media, Kim Jong-un called for tighter measures to prevent the coronavirus as a matter of paramount importance. He also demanded that the country's labour force be fully mobilised ahead of the harvest. He also ordered more work to be done to prevent flooding and deforestation. Police in West Auckland in New Zealand have shot and killed a man after he entered a supermarket and injured a number of people. Police and ambulances are at the scene at the Lynn Mall in the new district of New Lynn. New South Wales has reported its deadliest day in a COVID outbreak linked to the Delta variant. The Australian state reported 12 deaths, including a woman in her 30s, and 1,431 cases, another daily record. The state's Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, says the next fortnight is likely to be the worst in terms of numbers, and this will put pressure on hospitals next month. The highest number of people in our intensive care wards are likely to present uh, during the month of October uh, and that's why uh, we'll be able to present uh, in very good detail uh, next week on all the preparation work that's been happening in the last 18 months. A British-born Islamic State group member has pleaded guilty in the United States to charges of conspiring to murder American hostages in Syria. Alexander Koti faces a maximum penalty of life in prison. The BBC's Nomia Iqbal reports. 
Alexander Cote was brought to the US last year to face charges connected to the murder of Western hostages. The hostages included the journalists James Foley and Stephen Sotloff. A second man, El Shafi El Sheikh, is also on trial, but there's no word as to whether he has reached a plea deal. The pair, alongside Mohamed Mwazi and another man who is now in jail in Turkey, were nicknamed the Beatles by prisoners because of their English accents. Mwazi died in a US drone strike in Syria six years ago. The two remaining men won't face the death sentence, which was part of the reason why the UK agreed to their trial in the US. There are reports of intensified fighting between Taliban forces and resistant militants in Afghanistan's Panjshir Valley. The former Afghan Defence Minister, General Bismillah Mohammadi, said thousands of Taliban fighters had launched attacks at entrances to the valley and clashes were continuing. On Thursday, the Taliban said its troops had entered the region and inflicted heavy casualties. More than 40 people are known to have been killed by severe flooding in the northeastern United States caused by the remnants of Hurricane Ida. Almost a dozen people drowned after being trapped in their New York basement apartments. The governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, said most of the two dozen dead in his state had been stuck in their vehicles as the water rose. President Biden said now was the time to prepare for future disasters. We're reminded that this isn't about politics. Hurricane Ida didn't care if you were a Democrat or a Republican, rural or urban. This destruction is everywhere. And it's a matter of life and death, and we're all in this together. This is one of the great challenges of our time. But I'm confident we'll meet it. A Congolese environment minister says nearly 4,500 people have fallen sick in the south of the country following a toxic leak from a diamond mine in neighbouring Angola. Eve Bazaiba said 12 people had died. She was speaking at a news conference. From the 31st of July, the residents of Kasai, the ones living in Chikapa and from Kamonia and downstream noticed the dead fish. Tons of dead fish floating on the river. It attracted everyone's attention, and then their first reflex was to take the fish. Ms. Basaiba said the DRC would ask for compensation. The United Nations Special Rapporteur on Judicial Independence has described the approval of a law retiring about a third of El Salvador's judges as a serious attack on the country's justice system. Diego Garcia Sayan said the law put forward by President Najib Bukele went against all international standards. The BBC's Candice Piet reports. President Bukele says the reforms will force corrupt judges out of the courts, while senior members of his party have argued the move will ensure they're replaced with suitable and well-qualified professionals. But government critics argue that rather than fighting corruption, the new laws will allow President Bukele to remove judges at will. They say this is a second step in a takeover by the government of the judicial system. In February, the government-controlled Congress ousted and replaced the judges of the Supreme Court's Constitutional Chamber and the Attorney General. Business News and two U.S. carmakers have announced more cuts in production because of a global shortage of microchips that's been exacerbated by the pandemic. General Motors says more than half its North American plants will stop making vehicles for the next two weeks. Ford is also stripping back production. Here's the BBC's Samira Hussein. The month of August is usually when car sales in America are at their highest. But not so this year. Because of a shortage of semiconductors, U.S. automakers have not had enough inventory to fulfill demand. 
factories have had to temporarily suspend operations because it didn't have the chips needed for those cars. And with less cars to sell and continued pent-up demand for vehicles, it has also pushed up the cost of cars, driving some consumers to buy used vehicles. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,960. That's 130 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $78 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.98 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 74 cents. To sports, and we start with football and a convincing win for England in World Cup qualifying. Right side of the penalty area, Grealish moving from right to left across the box, then Rice with a shot, it's gone straight through the goalkeeper. Declan Rice scores England's fourth goal in Budapest. 4-0 was the way it finished as England pounded Hungary to take a five-point lead in their group. The game in Budapest was marred by racist chanting directed at Raheem Sterling, who scored the first goal. Here's the England manager, Gareth Southgate. Well, I've said before, look, I think we have dealt as a team with a very difficult atmosphere in, in a football sense. Um, it's never acceptable. Everybody knows I've said enough about racism over the last two years to know where I stand on it. But uh, we also have to look at ourselves. We haven't got our own house in order. So I don't want to come here and make a, a, a big fuss about uh, Hungary. But if it's happened, then you know uh, the action should be taken. The European champions Italy dropped points against Bulgaria. Their match in Florence finished one all. The Italians remain four points clear at the top of Group C. Sweden beat Spain 2-1 to go three wins out of three in Group B. It was Spain's first World Cup qualifying defeat since 1993. Belgium beat Estonia 5-2 with Romelu Lukaku scoring twice in the win. Germany were 2-0 winners at Liechtenstein. There was an upset in Asian qualifying as Oman stunned Japan 1-0 and Australia beat China. China 3-0. In cricket, England lost the key wicket of Joe Root on a dramatic first day to leave the fourth test against India finally balanced at the Oval. The BBC's Eleanor Oldroyd was watching. A fascinating day of test cricket. 13 wickets falling after England won the toss and chose to field. They dominated the first two sessions under cloudy skies with Chris Wokes and Ollie Robinson leading the seam attack. India were 127 for seven shortly after tea. But then Shardul Thakur hit the quickest test 50 ever at the Oval to lead a recovery in the final session. 191 the Indian score. Wokes with 455 and Robinson 3 for 38. And when Jasprit Bumrah struck twice, England was 6 for 2 with both openers back in the pavilion. Joe Root and David Milan fought back, but Root was out for 21 just before the close. And that felt like a huge blow struck by India. England will have work to do in the morning when they resume on 53 for three, 138 behind. To end the news, the top stories once again. The government is to assess whether Hong Kong schools are experiencing an exodus of students. Commerce Secretary Edward Yao defends the government's strict quarantine measures and media reports from Japan say the Prime Minister is to step down. And to the weather, it will be mainly fine apart from isolated showers, very hot during the day with light winds. The temperature is currently 31 degrees and the humidity at 71%. The news from RTHK. Budapest, my, my hidden treasure chest, golden grand piano, my beauty focus me on oh, you, oh you, oh I leave it all. My acres of land, by the cheese, 
It may be hard for you to stop and believe, but for you, ooh, you, ooh, I give it all. Oh, for you, ooh, you, ooh, I give it all. Give me one good reason why I should never make a change. The list goes on. If you just say the words, I'll up and run on to you. Ooh, you, ooh, I did it all. Oh, do you? Ooh, ooh, I did it all. Give me one good reason why I should never make a change. Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Friday afternoon. Friday the 3rd of September is today's date. A big thanks to Phil Whelan for the morning brew today. 
This afternoon, we're going to start with the final Paralympic spotlight with Cece Radford as she speaks with boccia player Leung Yuk Wing, who won a bronze medal in his individual event on Wednesday morning. And Cece also spoke to Tricia Leahy, the chief executive of the Hong Kong Sports Institute, and we'll be hearing plans to build on this summer's Olympic and Paralympic success. And of course, we love hearing from you as well, so feel free to drop us a line on my Facebook page, Noreen on RTHK Radio 3. You can also uh, drop us an email, 123show at rthk.hk. 19 minutes past one o'clock. This is the Zach Brown Band. And this song is Junkyard.